the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we Value courage. You're listening to the We Get Real AF podcast. Engage in conversations that'll spark your curiosity and challenge what you thought possible. Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. As I was preparing for this week's podcast episode, I really got to thinking about how often in life we as humans tend to underestimate other people, um, particularly when those people come from very different circumstances than our own. And so today's podcast episode is really about what becomes possible when we consciously choose to stop underestimating others and instead choose to look for their potential. Our guests today are Shireen Hafiz, founder of Death Kids Code, and Cheryl Hall, IT director and a community impact leader at Procter & Gamble. Together, these ladies brought computer programming lessons to an unlikely group of high school kids, kids who were low income, low academic performers, and disabled, deaf and hard of hearing. But when offered encouragement, skills training, and a chance to explore their unique potential, these kids knocked it out of the park. The Deaf Kids Code and Procter & Gamble Partnership is an inspiring story, but it also has practical implications for the business community. In a recent Gartner Global Survey, tech industry leaders said that a talent shortage is the single biggest barrier to adopting 64% of emerging technologies. We think that today's conversation will show that there's a lot more talent out there than corporate America may realize if it's willing to approach the challenge in innovative ways. Ladies, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We are so excited to have you here with us today. And before we get started in our conversation, we always like to give our listeners uh, a chance to know how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, emails, is that preference? I was like, I'm happy to give mine out. People have questions for what we're doing at PNG. I don't know, Shereen, if you're comfortable with the same as well. Or even yeah. LinkedIn, you know, your social profiles, anything. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. That may be easier then. So from a LinkedIn standpoint, so you can find me, um, LinkedIn, Cheryl Hall, if you search that for Procter & Gamble, it should come right up. Not too many Cheryl Halls at PNG. Same. LinkedIn is perfect. Um, LinkedIn, Shireen Hafiz, founder of Deaf Kids Code. Awesome. Uh, I think maybe the best way to get started is if you could each give a little introduction about yourselves and maybe Shireen, we could start with you and you could tell us just a bit about Deaf Kids Code, how it came about, and then we'll pass it over to you, Cheryl, to tell us. I know people have heard of Procter & Gamble, but they may not know everything about it. Shireen, sure. want to- well, Sure, happy uh, to do that. Thank you so much for having me. So I started uh, the national outreach organization, Deaf Kids Code, more than eight years ago. I am the mother of a son who was born with severe hearing loss. And from the time that he was diagnosed, I became very heavily involved in advocacy and activism for kids like him. And you only really learn about the pitfalls in the ecosystem um, when a circumstance hits you personally. Isn't that the truth? And it was through and it was through that lived experience in discovery of the ugly truths and barriers that exist that you know that really set the fire in motion for me in a variety of things that that led to my life today. And so it's all very deeply personal. 
And though my son is now in a university and thriving, you know, um, all of these kids are still very much my kids. And until equity has really hit like a pivotal point, you know, the we still are not anywhere near where we should be. And so since the founding of the organization, we have worked with over, you know, 9,000 plus participants um, in over 45, you know, locations with institutes and schools and centers around the country and in certain parts of the world. And, you know, and it's not because we solicit our organization. It was through just an organic sense of demand because there is no organization that does exactly what we do. And all of our programming is always free as well as one of our values that it's zero barrier to access. And that's why I'm really excited about getting engaged with today's conversation more than anything, because I feel that what we did and this pilot program really is the most groundbreaking um, experiment for last lack of a better word that I have ever seen. And I'm very, very excited to share this information and this experience with all your listeners because there's so much that can be learned, you know, from, from this. Absolutely. And in order to bring it to fruition in this particular pilot program, you need, really needed a corporate partner who shared your vision. And that's where Procter & Gamble came in. So Cheryl, if you would please tell us a bit about, uh, about that. Yeah, absolutely. So from P&G standpoint, so diversity is something, especially within equality and inclusion, that is near and dear to our heart. Um, if you've ever heard someone at P&G talk, especially from recruiting, like our goal is to have our employee base look like our consumers. And so, you know, people with disabilities, people who are deaf or hard of hearing, they're 100% part of our consumer base as well. And so we recognize that our employees should also look like that, because who better to tell us how to design our products, how to develop our systems, than people who understand what are those challenges in their everyday life and how can we come about that? Um, so for as part of my role with our North America IT community program, it's how do we look at some of these, you know, non-traditional hiring paths as we think about it. So they're not always students that are coming to us directly from a college campus and say, how do we give some of these people opportunities or also just start to BIM build some of the STEM skill set at younger ages where people and other students might not be thinking about because they may not see that future for them, but we want to help them to visualize it because we feel like there are opportunities and there are definitely unique values and skills that people in the deaf community can help build that we're not getting elsewhere. How did your paths cross, Shireen and Cheryl? Um, you know, obviously we know Procter & Gamble, but Shireen, I'm assuming it was a lot of outreach on your part saying, hey, maybe you heard about something that Procter & Gamble had brewing and said, we need to get in on that. So talk to us about that. So what's really interesting is, you know, we've, we've had collaborations with a lot of really large name tech companies and such. And, uh, and I have always proposed that, you know, that we should launch these type of initiatives. It has never happened, never happened. No organization, I mean, they seem very empathetic and they seem very kind and they do a lot of lip service and they, 
I feel to some degree, you know, they benefit from these PR moments. Uh, it's like, oh, look, we're, we are engaged with deaf kids code. But then when push comes to shove, there's nothing substantial. There's nothing meaningful that ever comes out of these things. And that's because of a lack of will. And, you know, uh, and that's really what it is. There's no other explanation because, you know, we know that funding is not lacking on their end. So what is what is the missing part of that chain? Our connection with Procter & Gamble came about because, um, well, so, uh, so Scott uh, Van Nice, he is a deaf cybersecurity guru. Literally everybody knows him. It's unbelievable how, how often his name comes up with stakeholders that have nothing to do with Procter & Gamble and have nothing to do with cybersecurity. But yet he's like a legend in his own. He's like the most humble and sweet man ever. Um, so we, we had been connected actually through a variety of introductions from years ago, unrelated to Procter and & Gamble. And it, I just feel that it was just so fortunate and so lucky that he connected with me. He had reached out and said, hey, you know, I really want to, uh, I want to, I want to get in, uh, I want to schedule a meeting. I want to talk. I want to discuss, you know, some, some ideas and things like that. And, and that's what set it in motion. It was many, many months of meetings and dialogue and really figuring out the landscape, the lay of the land, um, you know, in, uh, you know, in launching this. I mean, the beautiful thing is that P&G already had an existing like internship program. And so really our relationship was, how are we going to integrate this segment of the population, student population within this um, in a way that is inclusive, that is culturally sensitive, that, um, that will, you know, uh, lead to a positive result. And so, you know, and this is something that just eats me up alive with so many organizations that will launch things when they easily could have partnered with an organization like ours as subject matter experts. Like, why, why would you not when, you know, when there's absolutely no risk? It's not like you're paying us it's not like you're donating to us. You're literally doing nothing other than being the beneficiaries of this free information, you know, um, that other organizations would pay money for. And, you know, it just, it just, it just boggles my mind, you know, but anyways, um, so after many, many months of dialogue and conversation with PNG you know, and how we were going to, you know, recruit students and information sessions and all of these things. Um, I mean, you know, let's put it in a nutshell, okay? These kids were not being recruited in the way that other internship programs across the globe recruit students. They were not being recruited based on a GPA. They were not being recruited based on coming from a particular school district. 
They were not being recruited based on having any kind of skill sets whatsoever, other than sheer will and curiosity. And they were not being, you know, um, recruited based on gender. It was, you know, just really um, the most extraordinary and actually very risky, you know, approach to getting students because it's unheard of to recruit students based on no criteria other than sheer will. Right. Now, let's put it in a let's put it in a in a in a sharper lens. Most of most students that are from within our community according to the way we measure academic success do not measure according to the way we measure academic success. And the reason I'm wording that so carefully is because the way we measure academic success is a very one-dimensional view. It's very homogenized. It's very one-dimensional. We're not looking at this individual's ability to contribute to society. We're not looking at where it's very, very narrow and that's what uh, made, you know, this program all the more marvelous, you know, um, in its willingness to experiment, you know, uh, in this. Um, so that's kind of the, the background to that. Yeah. And, and I think you brought such a great point up. And I really want to, to camp on that for a moment and give Cheryl a chance to weigh in as well, because you're right. Uh, these are underestimated children that we're talking about. They're not the, the talent pool that most internships are set up with those kids in mind. Cheryl, why did Procter & Gamble decide to take a gamble, you know, to take a risk on um, on those kids? Yeah. yeah. Also, well, piggyback on that too, it's like the, obviously Procter & Gamble had systems in play for DEI, but, you know, a lot of these things that Shereen just carefully mentioned are um, sensitive and it takes another layer of open-minded thinking of saying, okay, yeah, we're gonna test this out. We're gonna try it out. How did you get past that? And did you, how much buy-in did you need from, from your peers to, to launch something like this? No, absolutely. And I think great questions, because you know, for us, like I said, it's all about, we wanna make sure that we're giving people opportunities. And like my community programs are the intent is how do we still build the greater and broader STEM community within like our local infrastructure within Cincinnati. And so to Shereen's point, we had these existing high school internships already. Um, and so we were focusing more on, let's say like, you know, people that are hearing, but having the opportunity and knowing Scott Van Nice that Shereen mentioned. So he is a deaf employee at PNG. He leads our deaf program as well. And he is phenomenal, a rock star. And he's like a shining example of, you know, how amazing deaf talent can be to helping a company lead the way forward. Um, and so for us, it was kind of a no brainer and we had the high level leadership um, alignment that this is the right thing to do. We wanna give people these opportunities and say, hey, we wanna show you that there's a different future for you than the one that you've maybe visualized just based on what you've heard your entire life, that 
you can't do it. We want to show you that you can. And so for us, it was, you know, to Shereen's point, we had the funding. This was something that we knew was the right thing to do. We wanted to do it. And so we were like, hey, let's pilot with Shereen. Shereen helped us find um, these five students. And then we had uh, two more that we actually got through local partnerships with the University of Cincinnati here. Um, and we said, let's figure it out. And we knew that there would be some road bumps. And Shereen <laughs> definitely knows there were some road bumps. Um, but it was something that, you know, we wanted to do. We want to say, hey, how do we take this forward? How do we do more? Because um, right now we don't have have a lot of, let's say, opportunities or employees who are deaf, and that's something that we want to change because we think there's value that can be brought to our organization. In addition, that value can be, you know, realized by them as well with a career. That it's kind of a win-win for everybody. What type of infrastructure needed to be put in place that might not have already been there to accommodate these new interns coming in that you had not dealt with before? Yeah, so one of the big things that we did is we when you had to make sure that we had interpreters. So this was actually one of our probably bigger challenges because, you know, interpreters are not people that we have in house today, people who know American and sign language and can make sure that we're able to communicate effectively. Um, so not only the students understanding what we're saying, but then also getting the students comments back to us. So that was one of the biggest challenges and um, especially because you don't know when you need the interpreter, so just scheduling when their availability was. And then also you're in an environment where some of these interpreters may not be familiar with some of the technical terms that we're using. And so that was some of the feedback we got from Shereen is we need to talk, we need to share materials in advance where we have them to make sure that they're the interpreters are familiar with the technology, the terminology that we're using to make sure that that kind of barrier in communication is eliminated as much as possible. Um, also, I would say some training for some of our managers that were, so the managers we had for the five interns, zero experience with having a deaf employee. So that was also a hurdle that we had to get over. Of what are the expectations? How do you start to communicate with a deaf person where you may have to think differently, you know, slowing down your cadence of speaking um, using different terms, making sure you're pausing that they understand and they're getting what it is you're saying, or do you need to use different terms based on, you know, the interpreter may not know the sign for something. So that was some of the groundwork that we had to put in place. Um, and I think, you know, varying degrees of success, but it's the foundation that we're building on moving forward, um, just to make sure that we're trying to make this as good an experience as possible for those deaf interns we had and also their manager. Um, and what I would say is coming out of it for the summer. So we saw, you know, not only we talked about the deaf interns, they had an amazing internship. They started to think and have their eyes open to what are the whole world of possibilities available to them, but also for our managers as well. I think it was a different experience for them that really challenged them to think differently. What are their preconceptions they may have had and kind of getting rid of those and also makes them a better manager ongoing because you always have to adapt your communication style to whoever your employee is and this is just another way of doing it so it shouldn't be thought of as daunting or something that's like a huge challenge but it's something that's possible and it's just you know changing the way that you think about it I'd love to hear more about the the five girls in the cohort because I know that um that they came from pretty exigent, pretty extreme circumstances. And so often kids who come from disadvantaged situations can't see their own possibilities. And I think you both beautifully stated this. If nobody's telling them, you can do this, we see potential in you, then they may never ask those questions. And I know at least one of the girls, Shereen, you mentioned to us in our pre-interview, had originally sort of envisioned herself being a Walmart greeter, not that there's anything wrong with that but it opened a bunch of different doors and windows to these girls. So tell us about the girls themselves. 
you know, uh, it's just, you, you can't even write a novel uh, <laughs> imagining um, just, it's just unbelievable. Um, so for example, um, the original pool of students was, was, you know, this group of female uh, students and one of them had had uh, backed out, um, you know, mid 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 training, the onboarding process actually, and would not say what was wrong. And of course, we were all very very hypersensitive that we want to make sure that well, what it what is wrong? Like, you know, is there did anybody do anything? Is you know how can we how can we make this better for you? And just, you know, uh, just, it was just so abrupt and so like unexpected. And then the communication went, you know, to less and less to like non-existent. And I ended up finding out later that that child had been suffering with chronic homelessness for years with, with her family. Um, and you know, and there may be even a un, undocumented component to that to that child's background, and it just was so crushing uh, for me. You know, because this could have been so so life changing. You know, and and for whatever reason, there just wasn't that level of trust to say what was really going on, you know? And that is something that, you know, I, I took very hard and I think I'll always carry that in me that, you know, would have, could have, should have, but how, how could I have, you know, um, done something to recapture her and re-engage her um, and work with the family somehow, you know, to, to make it possible. And, um, Another one of our students, uh, you know, uh, basically poverty, single parent household. Um, and I found out that, you know, that she actually already worked two part-time jobs on top of going to school full-time, you know. This is a, these are deaf children, right? It's like, it's, so you already are compounded with, so much on top of the fact that you're functioning in a world that doesn't bend towards accessibility. Let's not forget that, you know, that barrier to access. So it really meant a lot that, you know, that that child got to participate in this. Um, you know, another one of our girls had been in foster care most of her life, where even the school at one point was her custodian, you know, it just, it just is mind boggling the amount of, and this is what I always say whenever we talk about disability community, it's not insulated. It's, it's so, it's so um, intersectional in every possible way. You know, our kids can be deaf, they can be transgender, they can be undocumented, they can be refugees, they can be this, they can be that. They can be all of these things. They can be all of these things at once. You know, 
and that we cannot be so comfortable in you know believing that the disability community is this dichotomy that somehow is separate from the rest of us i always say that they are us and we are them you know and you can look at data where you know i mean over 30% of you know the us population has some disability right now and at some point in our lives we're all going to have a disability in some way shape or form temporary or permanent and so um so that is that also is where what made this pilot program even more courageous than anything else i mean think about it this is like unbelievable you took the disenfranchised of the disenfranchised you you talk about underestimated look at the data what is the outcome of kids that come out of foster care what is the data it's a disaster society is very good at at failing um you know uh of uh, uh, individuals that come from underestimated communities and that's what made this program all the more dynamic and by the way you know um and i want cheryl to talk more about this because this is where it becomes poetry is that these kids you know all right this is a paid 10 week it internship right they don't even know what it is like what what is information technology right they're getting paid in this integrated marvelous program these kids that barely passed high school by the skin of their teeth that had all this adversity on their heads every day they not only ended up like the child from foster care ended up becoming a dragon just this incredible warrior leader i mean it was just like unbelievable like how she rose to the top and just ended up shining and the recommendations that the team ended up making in their final presentation accessibility recommendations png is actually taking them on Now let's let's re re-summarize this. These kids from foster care, poverty, you know, uh I mean just everything have had the ability to influence this global multinational Goliath company. They were able to yield influence. So Cheryl, let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, what you hit on, Shereen, is they all these girls had, on top of being deaf, other challenges in their lives. Um, but honestly, you wouldn't have known it when they came into. Like we started with what was like a one week or two day kind of intensive boot camp. And to your point, I think a lot of these girls had never been exposed to IT or like what is coding, what is any of this stuff before. Um, so you're really starting from a starting point of, you know, one wanted her aspiration was to be a Walmart greeter or another wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Um to the others I don't think they'd ever thought about what they wanted to do from a job standpoint for the rest of their life. So we're starting with like ground zero, right? Um but that's one of the things that we knew coming into this program, not just these girls, but also a lot of the other students we had in our internships. It's all about 
where do we see the potential and how do we provide the opportunity for them to grow? And so going from the beginning of the summer to the end, like, you know, the rock star stream was talking about. So um, the girl we had that was in foster care, she was honestly one of the people we were super concerned about at the beginning. So Shereen talked about the girl who um, ended up dropping out and we, you know, really didn't know why. And we we're like, what could we have done differently? How could we improve? That was our, our whole, you know, question was what could we have done? Can we bring her back? Or is it kind of the challenge is too great? Um, but so the other girl was one of her close friends and we were like, oh no, do we think she's also going to leave? Um, but honestly, she stuck out and she became the rock star of that team. So from someone who, you know, it was all virtual for these students. And so everything was like, hey, we want your camera to be on to make sure that you're engaging. And she wouldn't even really have her camera on the first week to like at the end of the internship, she was leading the team. She was leading the presentations. She was the most confident girl up there on the stage. Um, talking to everyone about her projects and what she'd done for the summer. Like I know me, myself, the transformation was phenomenal to watch and to see throughout the summer. And then even for her manager, she was one, she was like, I want to hire this girl. And so for us, it's like the next step is, okay, well, how do we figure out? Because we don't know, you know, Shereen talked about some of the poverty and what are the opportunities for next education. Um, and so for us, it was, well, if she's going to college, what we could do is offer, like, we have college internships. So that's something that's possible. But if she's not going to college, we also have, like, apprenticeships that we could use to kind of bring her into the fold that way. And so it's things like that where it's, okay, where we see this potential and there's interest. Because some of these girls, you know, they came in, they had a great time, they learned a lot, and they also had big transformations as far as what they saw that they could do in the future. But they were still like, but I don't necessarily want a career in IT. And to me, that's okay. We still had success. We're helping these, these people grow, helping them see what is their true potential and say, okay, don't be scared of trying something new. Um, but for us, it's, you know, obviously we'd love to have some of them continue as well. If this is a passion area for them that maybe they didn't even know that they had, but now this opportunity could become something more for them. Um, so for us, those just learning about these girls throughout the summer, like one, they were all amazing, so sweet, so smart. Um, and honestly, I would never even have known that they kind of struggled to graduate high school based on our interactions with them. Like they were all super strong. And it was just how do we kind of get them a little bit out of their comfort zone into this new experience and see where they can take it from there. But it was a honestly loved having those opportunities this summer and just seeing the growth of each of the girls throughout and their eyes open to what could be next for them and what does that look like? Absolutely. And I have to just say kudos to both of you for, for putting your heads together and creating this opportunity. Um, Procter and Gamble, I just want to give a huge shout out because Sue and I always talk about DEI and there's no DEI without including disabilities communities. So, um, the fact that you did that, and then to Shireen's point, the intersectionality of these people that came into your organization and had that opportunity are, you know, it's not just one dimensional. <laughs> so the fact that you have encompassed so many different areas and said, you know what, we're not going to even look at that. We want you, we want to see what you bring to the table based on your lived experience. And we're going to learn from that. Um, and we're, we're both going to um, gain. I just, I want to say thank you so much for doing that. And that so many other organizations can learn from this, should be doing this, should be like trial runs, you know, this worked, this didn't, let's alter it. Let's, you know, and you also mentioned Cheryl, you know, your managers and what they gained from it, working mm -hmm. with these, uh, with these students. And um, 
I just, I think it's so valuable and, and so many people just really need to lean into it and say, this is possible. Um, there's going to be different things that we need to tweak in, in, in our team and in our infrastructure to make it happen, but that doesn't make it um, something that's far out of reach. And I think so many people think that and they think it's a heavy lift and it doesn't have to be. And I want to piggyback on that, Vanessa, because, you know, we hear all the time about the tech talent pipeline shortage, right? And, and when you really look at kids from this cohort, they have had to be nimble. They have had to troubleshoot. They have to have very versatile and outside the box communication skills. They have to do all these things that require skill sets that the tech industry and really every industry in America needs workers who have those skills. And I know, Shereen, that you have said before that um, the digital age is the great equalizer. And that if we can just see the possibility and the potential in kids who come from these other communities, not the traditional internship communities that we always think of, the high achievers and you know the, all the accolades, but these kids who have really had to be scrappy and improvise and innovate and persevere, those are the qualities that we need in our workforce in America to make our company stronger and to innovate for this new age. So talk about that if you would. Oh, yes. Happy to. I always say that the talent shortage actually isn't a thing. It's because you need to look where nobody else is looking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I would add on to that because I think that's something that we recognize as well. I mean, I think your competition for talent in a lot of those traditional marketplaces where you go today. So whether it's, you know, LinkedIn, it's going into your campuses at like top tier schools. Obviously there's a lot of you know, competition for some of those students, because those are, oh, the best and the brightest. But I think it's really an untapped potential for the other communities that maybe they're not these traditional paths that you've looked at in the past. But that doesn't mean that that's the only place to find talent. Because to your point, different people come with different backgrounds, different skill sets, and they thrive in places that, you know, some people would never have gotten out. And so it's like, okay, if you can do this, you can do anything. Um, and one of the things that we think at as PNG is we hire the person, not for the position. And so for us, it's how do we recognize the potential? Because how we think about it is, you know, we're looking for someone who has this experience, they have, you know, interest, but in reality, we can pretty much teach anybody anything, right? You just have to have people who are willing to learn and to actually go through and do that. And so for us, it's we're looking for that initial background, but we also recognize that, you know, there are some people who have all the potential in the world, but have never had the opportunity. And so how do we start to give them the opportunity? And that's where this high school internship program has been so huge for us, because in reality, it's kind of low risk, right? These are 10 week internships that are helping us to find, you know, people help them find what are their interests, where they want to go in the future. But if it doesn't work out, you know, it's, it's a 10 week internship, you know, they can go on to do whatever it is they want to do. We can continue to give back into our community, but the overarching goal is to provide the opportunities to build some more of the STEM talent. Cause in general, you know, there's a lot out there. You hear about, there's this big gap. There's not enough people that are in STEM careers. It's all, you know, white males, which, they're very easy to find, but you have to mine a little bit deeper to find some of the more diversity if you want to make sure that they feel like they can be included. And so this program for us has been so powerful because we talk about the deaf community we've been able to tap into, um, also just like socioeconomic communities in addition to like Hispanic, African-American, like those are all focus areas for us because we recognize that they don't necessarily always have the opportunities in like your inner city schools that someone may have in the suburbs where they're getting this training, they're getting all of this coaching. 
everyone should be having the equal opportunity to the training and the coaching. And so that's something that we're looking at and we want to make sure that we're providing. And I don't know if it's you, Vanessa or Sue, but also within Cincinnati, like there's other companies that have high school internships. And so we're trying to help influence them as well to say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're seeing working. We need you guys to step up with us because we have 43 interns next last summer, you know, we may budget is always changing. So how many can we get next summer? But you guys, like we have the majority, we need you guys, GE, Kroger. I won't call out people. I guess I just did (laughs) (laughs) step up and help us. Right. Because we can't bear this burden alone. Um, and it shouldn't just be us in this space. And I think those companies, to be fair, they see that we talk, I talk to them on like a monthly basis with some of the other leaders at those companies that are doing similar type work. And so it's a journey for us all. And P&G is happy to lead the way, but we don't want to be alone in this effort because we can't conquer the world alone. That's amazing. And I love that you're, you're sharing and you're saying, Hey, you're holding other people accountable. And why is it, why couldn't it be like a partnership between all these like great organizations, household names that we know to, to help the, these students. I mean, I think it's wonderful. And one thing that I think you touched on briefly stream, but if we could just tap into it a little more, because I think it's hugely important, the trust factor, these communities are, overseen, overlooked, like they they rarely have eyes looking at them with um, open-mindedness and, hey, let me help you. Let me, you know, extend my hand and, and bring you into this world and give you an opportunity. How did you overcome that obstacle um, with these, with these potential um, girls, bringing them into this cohort um, and saying, Hey, th- there's something here you should take a look at. We want to help you. Did you get any resistance at first? Was it an easy, Hey, yeah, let me try this out. I'd love to hear it because I know that um, we had this conversation in our pre-interview. So I, I would love to touch on the trust portion. So it's really interesting. Um, so this is where partnerships are very powerful. P&G had this existing internship program, right? It existed, you know, before the partnership. If P&G alone had tried to do the level of recruiting that we did with boots on the ground, they would not have had the response that they got. It was because Deaf Kids Code was involved and has a longstanding relationship within these communities that the that the bridge of trust was gained. And that is an important factor. And that's what I was alluding to earlier is that, you know, it is it is the most altruistic of, of, of relationships, you know, it's that we're not partnering with you expecting anything in return, nothing. You know, you're not donating, you're not doing anything for us. This is just a altruistic, pure partnership because our kids' success is our success. They succeed, we succeed. There are no strings, you know. We, we, this, is, this is all it's about at the end of the day. And the thing is, is that in the final presentations, the very first thing, the very first thing that when we talk about that one particular girl that rose, that became the dragon, um, the first thing she said in her final presentation on the PNG campus in the auditorium, 
was thank you for making us feel safe. Mm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for making us feel safe. How about that? That is like so remarkable that those were the first words out of her mouth before her presentation. That is, you know, it just is, we can only imagine what hellfire this child has gone through in her life. And, you know, and the thing is, is that I had talked to numerous stakeholders um, about, you know, why, why, you know, why not get more kids? Why, why, why couldn't we recruit more kids than what we had and things like that? The common response I got was because it just seems too good to be true. Why would Procter and Gamble want our kids? Mm. That's heartbreaking. So, so there was a lack of growth mindset, even from the leadership. So when we talk about a top down, you know, uh, issue of, you know, despondency and lack of belief, you know, I mean, what I have been seeing up close and personal was that. And there are many examples that have nothing to do with PNG and us that I could that I could bring up about this very negative and very lack of innovative thinking within leadership. So the leadership is is failing as much as society as a whole is. But I would like to believe that this opportunity needs to be echoed as loudly as we possibly can, because what all these other companies have feared can now learn from us, that this is the antidote. It's like, okay, it was never done before. Well, it's been done. We did it. And we didn't do, and we did it in the most courageous of ways, you know, where there was no baseline criteria whatsoever. There wasn't even a skill set assessment. All we needed was will from the students. That's all we needed. That was the requirement, was will. Are you willing? Are you curious? Okay. And you know, the thing is that we had talked about it earlier, which is that there is no better problem solver than a kid growing up in a world with all these barriers to access. There's nobody that is going to be the best. And this is something you can't teach. You can't read about, you know, you cannot, there's, this is something that is like innate that your ability to even function in this world with all these marks against you and the fact that you can even remotely thrive is a testament to your greatness. It is a testament to your greatness. And this pilot program completely blew that out the water. This was the symphony, you know? This was the David versus Goliath, you know? And, and, and that's what I mean. It's like, these are things that, these are like, this is like a storybook. It's like, you know, the underdog, you know, the lost cause, but like, wasn't it Winston Churchill, the 
the lost clock cause is the only one worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so, um, so yeah, this is, this is, it, it, it is so remarkable. I mean, I, there are days where I just think about this and it's just like, did this really happen? Well, we're so After happy so it did. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just the beginning, Shireen, because I know we, like, we've talked is like, what are our next steps? How do we continue to bring in, you know, the deaf talent so we can help more people see what is their potential and give them these opportunities as well? Well, that was my next question. What is next? Can you, can you share any tidbits of like what's in the pipeline here? Because obviously we want to build the momentum. We offer, so we have this PG tech, um, but we also have what's called a jumpstart program. Cause we noticed, um, we even did this this past year, but this was pre having some deaf interns, but that some of our students that are coming from underserved communities. So I talked about, you know, some schools are really great at giving students training, coaching, here's what to expect in a corporate environment. Here's, you know, some, minimum skills that might be helpful for you to be successful. Not every student gets that. And that's something that we recognize as well. And so we created a jumpstart program that we've been doing in the spring. That's kind of a, Hey, you have this gap today versus like the haves versus the have nots, right? How do we bridge that gap? And so that's one of the things that we've been working our program leader for our high school internship of how can we do something like that for some of our deaf students as well? That's just, Hey, basics, how to work in the corporate world. What is project management? Shereen mentioned growth mindset. How do we expose you guys to some of these things to challenge you to think about just the world differently and what you can do in this world and then have that kind of feeding into the internship. So we're looking to partner for a jumpstart program for deaf students specifically. And then we also will still have our internship next summer for our high school students. Um, so looking to both get deaf students into the jumpstart and then also continuing to do that next summer with our program to see who are the others that we could bring in and give this opportunity to see you know, where will you take this? What's, what's your potential? What's possible for you? So that's what we see next for PNG. I don't know, Shereen, if you have any additional for Deaf Kids Code that's more specific there. Um, no, I, I think that, that, that summarizes it, which is the idea that, you know, that what we have created and how we can scaffold that, how we can use this and how we can elevate it. You know, I mean, there is, I mean, obviously PNG is a, gigantic, you know, multinational company. And so this program, the seed is laid in, you know, in Cincinnati, Ohio, with the potential that this could be replicated nationwide. Mm -hmm. Like that's the potential of something like this. And the idea that PNG, you know, is going to be the first ever you know, to have launched this type of specialized program, you know, uh, to recruit this particular group or community of students is just, you know, it is, uh, it is the change we wished we could see in the world more often. Shereen, you touched on something that I really want to bring up before we let you ladies go, um, because I think some of our listeners may work for smaller tech companies. Not everybody has, of course, the resources that a PNG has. Uh, and I know that this first cohort required extra resources and expenses like bringing in an interpreter and things like that. So what would be your advice to the really small IT company who is listening to this and saying, mm-hmm. I wanna do something like that, but I'm on a really tight budget. I have a small team. 
like what are just some practical tips that would make this scalable to the small company? Because the tech talent pipeline affects all of us. 100%. So there's a bunch of things. First of all, uh, the label deaf is a whole spectrum. Not everybody that's deaf uses American Sign Language. There's a whole spectrum of deafness. There is a large population of individuals that are orally deaf. So the word deaf lowercase d is like a more inclusive terminology that is the deaf hard of hearing community at large. And then you have the capital deaf, which is, um, that is symbolic to deaf culture. And so that's, that's number one. Number two is simple things such as, okay, um, are our video conferencing uh, apps that we use, do they have captioning? Um, you know, have we done any training in universal design in presentations and how we discuss things? Because it's important to note that though I may not be deaf and you may not be, you, you may be none of you do or do not have a disability, we're all very diverse with how we receive and, in, and absorb information. I am a very visual person. I need time to absorb, you know, the visual environment and things like that. If somebody is going at a certain pace, sometimes that just goes over my head because I haven't had time to fully absorb and grasp and it just wasn't done in a way that is accessible to me, though I don't have a disability. So I, I wanna point that aspect out, is that, is that universal design principles, particularly with presentations, um, are just great practices. It's just good for everybody. That's what they say, right? You design for disabilities, but what happens is you end up designing uh, better for everybody, you know, by default. The other thing is that, you know, is that it, it, it's not such a difficult thing to provide mentorship. It's not such a difficult thing to volunteer. It's not such a difficult thing to like one discussions I've had, I've had many discussions with like smaller scale companies as you're mentioning and simple things like, well, why don't you list out what are the skill sets that you need if you wanted to hire somebody? Let's just break it down. Let's just make it black and white and as transparent of a process as possible. What do you need in order to have a qualified candidate? Let's just say it. And this is where it gets like so blurry when you think that it would be more black and white. And, you know, and, and uh, what I have seen is companies have a very hard time, you know, uh, putting it on, a, on paper to say, well, these are what we need. These are the skills we need and this and that. Why is the hiring process so blurry? Mm. Why is it so ambiguous? What's the mystery? You know, why is it such a mysterious process to penetrate, you know? And it's like, everything should not be based on networking and nepotism. You know, it could be because, well, I got hired because one of my former teammates is now a manager and referred me and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think there needs to be some egalitarianism integrated in the hiring process. Let's just be real about that, you know? And um, 
if you look at the data and statistics of people with disabilities, a lot of people are very fearful, though it may be on an application about disclosing your disability. A lot of people in the disability community are very fearful that that's gonna be a strike against them. And companies are not gonna be transparent and say, yeah, we don't wanna deal with that because of legal issues and the liability issues and things like that. Though it may seem like, oh, we're so embracing and that's why we're trying to be inclusive and all of these things, but it's a double-edged sword. It's like on one hand, yes, it's beautiful if you if somebody can feel free to disclose that because you can rise to the occasion and provide proper accommodations and, and be inclusive, yes. But then there's another camp that's never going to admit that that actually is a process of elimination. Agreed. Yeah. One of the things that I would say like as well, and you know, obviously I'm coming from the PNG where we have a little, maybe a little bit more funding to invest in these programs, but we've also started like a monthly American Sign Language class for people who are interested. Love um, that. So that could be something that, because we recognize, hey, interpreters, obviously that could be a barrier to entry. So what are we doing to upskill our own organization to learn American Sign Language? I will not say I'm great. I've only had one class so far. Um, but it is something that we're using to invest in our employees to make it one, a more welcoming environment as well. And even to show that like, hey, we're trying because we want to make you feel as comfortable as possible. Um, and because I think to Shireen's point, there's a lot of technology that's out there today. Captions is super important. And so some of it's too, hey, if we don't have a way to communicate because there's not an interpreter available, how do you, you know, get yourself used to, maybe it's a little uncomfortable at first, but use those captions. Maybe it's more text-based versus like, talking um, back and forth, but you can still accomplish a lot. So I would say, don't let those barriers kind of scare you off either. And think about what can you do you yourself to create a more welcoming environment or to bring your organization forward where, hey, this is no longer a barrier because we have some people who know American Sign Language and we can start to communicate that way as well. Love that. Oh, great, great advice. And, and to all of our benefit at the end of the day, companies get better employees and this, this community of, of people who want to contribute and have so many gifts to contribute, then have the ability to actually do that. So thank you so much, both of you for leading the way with this initiative. I just think it's really wonderful. And uh, I hope to see a lot more going forward. Yes. And shout it from thank the you. rooftops. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, ladies. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for having us. us. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about it. So thank you for helping us shout from the rooftops. <laughs> Anytime.